This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the first episode of Showtime, the podcast about the television show Winning Time. I'm Jason Madison, joined by my co-hosts Bethany Anderson and Anthony Mays. What's going on, y'all? It's good. Winning Time based on the book Showtime. This is the podcast based on the book Showtime, which has been turned into the series Winning Time, which is on the HBO network, not Showtime. Just so everybody's clear about it. What a weird logistical issue. I mean, this is our third rebrand, Jay. This is our third show, but it's the same show. So we know a little bit about that. Exactly. Uh, It's the show that's a dude disguised as a dude playing another dude. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. Especially when they go to the, the club and they're singing about Showtime. And they say Showtime. I'm like, come on, just do it, folks. Yeah. Just name it Showtime. But no, it's winning time. How do you guys feel about shows and movies that have to say the title in the show or the movie? It's a, it's a big running joke on Cinephobe. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's, the, it's also from the family guy when Peter is sitting in the audience and he points at the screen. I, I, he said it. He said it. Yeah. 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 Sometimes <laughs> it's awesome. Like, right. Jay, I would say in our favorite movie of last year, Nightmare Alley. Oh, yeah. It was great. They did it. Perfectly. It was an excellent usage. And it kind of like... It made me definitely perk up and be like, oh, this is probably going to be really important. Yeah. Sometimes it's done well and sometimes not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they did in Nightmare Alley is the way that I think it's supposed to be done in most movies where they kind of just say it and it's not like the emphasis and we're waiting for like a commercial break after, you know, he he said it in conversation and it was very naturalistic uh, in, in, uh, winning time, it very much felt like there was supposed to be a commercial break after he says it's showtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I think the other the other great usage is the Dark Knight, where it's literally the last words of the movie, mm-hmm. and you, you got Gordon giving that whole speech, and then he says, you know, he's the hero we need, not the hero, but not the hero we want right now, and a dark night so like that you know that's that gets to the point like i feel like i feel like if you name your movie or show out of a line that you were particularly attached to after the fact 
Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But if you write, if you have the title first, and then you're just trying to get it in there as much as possible, maybe not so much. Maybe right. not that no. one. Yeah. I hate I hate the title so much. <laughs> like even when I tell my friends, like, yeah, I'm about to watch Winning Time, everyone's like, what? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> or just call it magic. Like, come on, there's so many good names that like make more sense. It's such a silly thing, but I'm not gonna move on from it. I'm gonna keep <laughs> up got a lot of things I have to say about it. Yeah, it's they should have workshopped that a little bit more <laughs> in the writer's room. Episode one is called The Swan. Um I do want to remark on the filmmaking style of, of the show. Uh, yes, yes, yes. It's it's interesting. It's it's kind of cool. Some a little bit of it is off putting when they cut to certain things. But I just wanted to say the first it starts off, and I feel like I'm in Wolf of Wall Street. It feels exactly like the beginning of Wolf of Wall Street, and I'm like, why would they make that? That seems so intentionally close to that you know um style which is not his style it's scorsese who did that um adam mckay and adam mckay does have his own style that is in the same kind of lane in some ways but i don't know it just feel like a ripoff but also it's so enjoyable it wasn't wrong like when you know jerry buss is in the bed with the uh young woman and he's explaining you know basketball and sex and you know all of this stuff and he gets out of Playboy Mansion and he, you know, he goes to his Rolls Royce and all this. The valet is the only person who knows about the Lakers. Like it feels cool, but from a filmmaking perspective, I'm just watching it like this is exactly what Leo does in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. But you know, I mean it kind of started heavy before we got to Dr. Jerry Buss. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Thank we, you. B. Take us back we, to the future here. We had to be reminded of what what happens like we began as kind of like a cautionary tale you know what i mean like yeah we're reminded that magic johnson received a very heavy diagnosis and at that time it was pretty much like a death note you know what i mean it's like this is really dramatic and you know they start and he's you know we've always seen him as a super smiley magic you know he's trying to handle the news with grace but we get to see everyone looking at him in disgust and he's walking through kind of taking like a walk of shame down this hallway at the doctor's office. But and it made me feel like, does magic ever feel sad? Right. <laughs> like the, 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 the thing that stood out about that scene, other than uh, Michael and um, Juanita on the cover of Ebony. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I missed the days of Mac magazines and black magazines in particular but it was the whoever his confidant whoever that was with magic was the one who was sobbing and magic seemed just slightly dejected <laughs> like it wasn't like you know it just seemed to me like there was never a moment in magic's entire life where he felt like some grave sadness and it felt like all the other people felt the sadness for him and he's just like well i'm magic like <laughs> And that's kind of how I felt watching the scene. I get it. Yeah. I, I kind of um, relate to that. I'm yeah. a very optimistic person. I always try to see the good and things and every situation and things are going to work out for the better in the end. And I think that's kind of like how magic rolls. But that was very interesting that you say that because, yeah, it wasn't him that was showing all this emotion. It's everyone else around him like, yo, <laughs> this shit is serious. And he's just yeah. like, yeah, it is. 
but of course, you know, we, we know how things end. Well, right. not end, but you know, yeah, it turned out for magic. Yeah. And, yeah. But, but I, you know, and it's, I guess a great scene to start with to show his personality and how overpowering his joy is to anybody he encounters, you know? Um, yeah. And obviously we get that throughout the episode. I think that's kind of one of the bigger arcs in the episode is people meeting magic and, you know, them encountering his personality and how that, you know, obviously doesn't start off on the best foot with certain people like Jack Cook or Norm Nixon. But, you know, we we know how the story goes, like you said. I thought it was a really curious cold open. Yeah. I can definitely see us getting there in this show and and diving in, but it it was it, it was not very well explained, right? That that right. was something that was relying on all of our knowledge of what he's actually there yeah, right. going yeah. through. Yeah. Where then we jump into this show which is very very heavy-handed in breaking the fourth wall, talking to us directly and telling the casuals what's going on. Yeah. Right. I found the contrast between that weird. Yeah. The the Jerry Bus waking up Wolf of Wall Street thing. I'm kind of with that, you know, like that's that's exposition, right? Like what's a fun way to do exposition? Let's have them at an orgy at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. And let's let's just get a a feeling of who this guy is and how how different he is from everyone that we're going to meet that's associated with the NBA and kind of just from everybody. Like it, Jerry, Jerry Buss seems kind of like a maverick from mm-hmm. his, you know, like ahead of his time and his vision for things, kind of a scumbag in some ways, like, Oh, I'll get the money. Like I'll figure it out, you know, like stuff like that. And he's charismatic and all that. But then like the way that it continued with the, the style of Adam McKay in this episode with the, you know, the text on the screen and the like, multiple people breaking the fourth wall right like there's that yeah. moment where like gabby hoffman kind of winks at us and mm-hmm. you know because they there's some very sexist <laughs> lingo being dropped like i need that to tone down <laughs> i can't do 10 episodes of that i can't do really i can't I do them talking to, be, to me like that the whole time i feel like it's so fun because it's like this is considered a drama but it was very comedic for me like I needed that. I don't need everything to just be so heavy. Just having those moments to kind of like shake things up a bit. I I need that. Yeah. I think there's plenty of ways to, for it to be funny. I'm not, I'm not saying I want the comedy out. I'm more just talking about like this, this episode seemed like one Adam McKay's directed the pilot and then that's it. Right. Like this, right. I'm imagining that his style is going to be more influential on this than it is. In episode two, which is directed by Jonah Hill, actually, which is pretty exciting. Oh, wow. But the the way that it needs to tread the line between people who love basketball, love the Lakers, know a lot about it, and potential new audiences, like, they, they are definitely airing more towards the people who don't know stuff. Yeah. And I get why they're doing that. You know, and we'll see how it progresses going forward. I think there's a lot of interesting human character studies that are being done here that can go beyond basketball. But you know, we're the the diehards. They they need a little bit more juice. Yeah, I think it's kind of geared towards the casuals and also more young people because I feel like a lot of people, you know, my age and and under, don't know the history of the Lakers like that. They know right. about Magic Johnson. They know about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
but they don't know how we got there, you know? And, uh, and the, you know, whatever the inner workings of, of the team were during that time period. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think they kind of have to err on that side because of the ignorance of the average watcher of the show. You ever have that moment where you're like, damn, I'm hungry, but I don't want to go out to eat. It is way too expensive, and I don't know what to make because I'm not really into cooking. Guess what? It's real easy. It's real simple. I got a solution for you. HelloFresh. They deliver deliver pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skimping on quality. You skip the trip to the grocery store, save you the wait in the long lines, and ensuring you don't waste money on excess food. Also, 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. Let me say that again. 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. It's money back in your pocket. All right? So, to review, A, great food, B, less expensive, C, less expensive than even if you went grocery shopping yourself. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. 30 minutes or less. I'm talking about right now, I'm recording this at noon. By 12.30, lunch is served and it's fire. Come on now. You know I did it. I'm not just, I'm, I don't do this thing while I read the ad. Like, oh, what do you want me to talk about? Uh, I'll, I'll say whatever. I got to live it. I got to experience it. And I did. I had the beef tenderloin and cheese fondue. Woo-wee! Fire. Fire. I've got leftovers in the fridge right now that I'm about to destroy. That's right. Those 30 minutes that I was going to take to make a meal, I lied. Not making a meal right now. Eat my leftovers. But guess what? Tonight, dinner be back at it so make sure you're doing your due diligence make sure you're getting your hello fresh living right save you time save you money make sure everybody going crazy in the house go to hellofresh.com slash bomb 16 and use code bom16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts that's right it's HelloFresh.com slash B-O-M-1-6. Use code B-O-M-1-6 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, it's America's number one meal kit. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher-turned-podcast producer, and I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum-sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that 
out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at ButcherBox.com Dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. I think it's really dope that we get to talk about so many different topics from sports, we get politics, we get race, we get class, and in a very specific era in time. And with this being such a period piece, I think it's really important that, you know, like you said, Maze, that we kind of educate the the audience and, and kind of let them know what's going on instead of leaving them in the dark. But at the same time, you have to, I think the audience is going to, they're going to get it. They're going to figure out what's going on. It's going to be pieced together. I think it's so much that you have to do in a pilot episode to get people interested. One, it's like, okay, if you don't know what that opening scene is with Magic Johnson, you're going to find out and you're going to want to, you know, want that to circle back. And I think they're, it's very methodical. They're doing it in a very uh, particular way to make sure that they keep people watching. Yeah. I think one of the, obviously one of the huge dynamics that are going to play throughout the show is race, right? The two main characters is black are black and white. Um, Mm -hmm. And they obviously work in tandem with each other, but. Oh boy. I love the demonization of Larry Bird. I love that they're turning Larry Bird into the greatest villain in TV history. Can't wait. Can't wait for it, baby. But there was, there's a lot of interesting things in regards to race um, also in regards to the NBA and kind of the sh- like reshaping of the league at the time, um, you know, there's been half a dozen documentaries on, on bird and magic. Right. And we've kind of tread those waters a lot. If you watch ESPN or you really into sports, but you know, or if you just scroll down on your HBO max app, there's the, <laughs> yeah. the bird and magic doc, which is a yeah. great, great documentary. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Yeah. And so we get our first bit of racism. Uh, with Jack Kent Cook, <laughs> you know, post uh, sale conversation, we see him at what is it? I guess a lunch that he has with Magic and his father and, and Doctor Buss. Oh yeah, sand dabs. Oh. <laughs> we can uh, we can mm. even go we can go before that when they're playing golf and he says he smiles too much, right? Like he's mm. soft, right? Yeah. So th- I mean, there's a right there's scenes where. Adam McKay implements his style with black, black, black when they use these descriptors for uh, magic and white, white, white when they're uh, describing Larry Bird. Yeah, I was really uh, bummed out they didn't do like coach on the floor, Jim Rat or gritty, but I'm sure there's time for that to, to get worked into the script. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's not he's not as coachable. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, th- I mean, there's going to be a lot more racial dynamics that play out during the show. I hate to jump around so much in the first episode, but like all the race things kind of like are, you know, at different parts. We get Donald Sterling at the end. (laughs) What an absolute beautiful Easter egg that was. You (laughs) know, that's, that's something that was not for the casuals. That was for the diehards right right there. That's right. Yeah. At the white party of all things. Yeah. At the white party. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that was another like kind of comical race moment where magic uh, is told that only white, (laughs) <laughs> is allowed in and he's then giving given a blazer 
because mm-hmm. it's an all white party, not all white people. Um, well, it's mostly white people <laughs> and uh, a few basketball players. And even, you know, Kareem has his, he's on his black power movement, you know, but he's starring in airplane or co-starring in airplane. And so he's doing his kind of stiff line delivery <laughs> in his scene. And, um, you know, he's, he's got his, uh, dashiki on in the trailer and you know basically just showing you know the different sides of of culture and then at the the sand dab lunch uh jack can't cook calls kareem uh luau sindor which is yes the equivalent of like dead naming somebody in today's world you know it's cassius clay (laughs) exactly yeah um (laughs) yeah so for people who don't know uh kareem abdul jabbar uh, his birth name was Lou Alcindor, but he uh, converted to Islam and changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, you know, a lot of white people in the same way that of Muhammad Ali did not want to call him by his new name and uh, refused to. And one was his, his boss and the owner of the team in the company of other people. So, and, you know, to show, hey, I own you, basically. And, um, yeah, magic is basically his own man from a young man, you know, all the way up until today, he's always had this perspective and this energy about him of, you know, I'm going to mold the world to what I see and what I want it to be. And he's always kind of been victorious in that way. And just by being a good person and good at what he does, you know, and I think that's something that is like very interesting to watch, you know, in terms of the shows him navigating this world and becoming the guy that we all know and, and love today. Yeah, I loved um, how they introduced us to his family. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that scene. And I did not know that he was raised seven-day Adventist. His mom right. was like really big because I was raised seven-day Adventist. Oh, really? That was a huge part of my life. Yes, absolutely. Um, even when my mom's here, Friday nights, it's the Sabbath. You don't you know do anything. You know, you observe the Sabbath until sunset uh saturday evening and Mm. so i get it like adventist mothers are really intense and she didn't even like the fact that he was going by magic johnson it's like how dare you say that name in in my house he's like mom it's cool you know it's just we get to see like he is just this playful happy person just from the get-go but having an adventist mom i know that you know had some sort of impact on his life but and then having a, a dad who worked so much and i really like the scene of them sitting at the uh at the lunch where he uh gosh what's your what's your, what's your boy's name who uh he sold the lakers to jerry Kirk? yeah yes Kirk. so he tried to like make jerry seem like this you know of course you know he was really big in real estate but he's like yeah you know he's what do you say he sold him or he bought the chrysler building or something like that yeah, yeah, Chrysler comes up because I think the dad works for Chrysler. He right, he works for Chrysler. Oh, that's funny because because Jerry just sold me the Chrysler building. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so Jerry's kind of like, well, yeah. I also I I wasn't always this person. I you know I come from humble beginnings as well, and mm-hmm. I like that. Like I like how they portray you know Doctor Bus as this. You know, he just gets it. He's not you know classist. He's not racist. He just enjoys people and having a good time and making money. Yeah, I think that was a, there's a little bit, I mean, there's more than a little bit. There's, there's definitely a woke 2022 lens being cast back on this time period. 
which yeah. it doesn't bother me nearly as much as like the the exposition fourth wall breaking stuff. Like, but like <laughs> they're using they're using Cook to symbolize you know really the worst kind of old white man. Yeah. old rich white man and then they're using jerry bus as kind of like the new wave like white dude who you know probably has his own issues but mm-hmm. he can re- he's like not an asshole and not a ra- like an outward racist to magic and his family and he's trying to connect with them and he yeah it's, he talked about working the line and how you know you're never hungrier than after a full day of work on the line and it's like yeah Get this old crusty dude who needs to pay off his divorce settlement out of here. Get Jerry <laughs> Buss in here. Let's revitalize this shit. Let's get the party going, you know? Yeah, they definitely got the party going. I guess if there was any flaw to Dr. Buss, it's maybe he liked the party too much, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, like a lady very much. <laughs> right. And so that's, that's kind of a partial explanation, I guess, for the cold open and, and you know, the other kind of through line, you know, other than race in the show is the magic and Buss's love for women, right? And how that would eventually, you know, cause magic more issues than anybody, but, you know, would basically end their their business, you know, relationship for a period of time. So, you know, there's a lot of Buss bringing <laughs> magic around women mm-hmm. and putting yeah. them in situations. And I loved when... Uh... <laughs> Was it was it Sterling who was telling him that the there's cocaine over there or something or one yeah. of Sterling's girls and Jerry's yeah. like oh you know he's uh he doesn't we're do not that gonna yet. get him on that stuff quite yet like <laughs> check back in a year or something. yeah we're gonna ease him into that <laughs> yeah no it's very sweet of him to uh, <laughs> think about magic in that way you know make make sure he gets rookie of the year when when's the title first before he starts uh, getting his nose a little dirty. But, but at the same time, he's 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 charming. He's not like this asshole that women don't want to work for. I right, like how right. um, Claire Rothman yeah. comes in and she's like, you know what? I think this is I think I need to be on this wave here instead right. of working for this for this dickhead. Because when she comes in and meets him, uh, old dude is like, yeah, I'll have this type of drink. He's like, fix it yourself. And he's like, I know who she is. I know what she's doing. And I like her style. And it just immediately like warms her up to him. I love how they are talking about the sexism in just business period, but especially mm-hmm. in sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I wanted to to talk about the scene with Magic and his dad after the lunch. Yeah. yeah. That was Take kinda... the money and shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I worked I like... my ass off my whole life for this. Yeah. And I, I just feel like that was kind of the pivotal like scene in the episode and also like kind of explains like again, back to what I've been saying about magic, just his character and you know how he just over overcomes, you know, the reality of the world that existed before him. And, you know, to his dad, his dad said, You think that you know something about this life that I don't? And Magic was kind of thinking to himself, like, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to show you, you know, and it's not like in a way that he wants to insult his dad or show him up, but he does kind of understand something about the world. And I forgot the exact line that he said, of, you know, basically like I, I he went to high school, he won the state championship and they didn't like him at first and he showed them and basically all he has to do is keep winning and he'll get whatever he wants. And that ended up obviously being true, but it's hard for anybody else to see and have the faith in, you know, 
and magic in that way because his dad wants the security, right? He's worked his whole life and he's like, look, we got you to this point. You have achieved the level to access this security for your family. You know, don't blow it. Basically, and magic is like, you don't see, you know, how big I see myself as becoming in the very near future. I mean, spoiler alert, Magic Johnson won the NBA championship that very year as yep. a rookie. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, it it was just really dope to see how they characterize, you know, Magic kind of coming into his own and understanding about himself what other people didn't fully see. Yeah, I also really loved the Wild West aspect of the NBA at this time. I was definitely getting some major semi-pro, semi-pro <laughs> vibes yeah. Yeah. in terms of the look and and that sort of stuff. Obviously, that was about the ABA and before it was acquired and all that. But the fact that rookies can just have meetings with the owner, yeah. throw out their own salary number. And there was no agent present. <laughs> no agents at all. Yeah. Like, the the way the coin flip was executed over those weird little like 80s speakerphone <laughs> yeah. boxes and shit and oh do you have a coin oh david stern's looking through a couch yeah. to get a coin all that was great but but yes just magic's confidence right like i know i know what you're paying kareem i know what larry bird got i beat larry bird mm-hmm. like i'm the 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 self belief and the fact that he, you know, there was that also that great moment where after uh, Norm Nixon showed him up at, at Sterling's house, he actually shows doubt, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, he got humbled in a in a way that may or may not have happened. If it did happen, that's fucking <laughs> right. hilarious. Like that, right? <laughs> he got humbled, and he had a moment like, "Am am I what I think I am?" You know, yeah. he's a young man. He's nineteen, twenty years old, and like he he's always been the best. And his charisma and confidence has gotten him to the point where he's at. And he gets knocked on his ass by a, a cocky guy in a fur coat. And he <laughs> has this realization, like, maybe this isn't for me. But then he he rebounds from that. And that's when his dad, I believe, gives him the pep. Like, his dad comes around the other side and believes in him. But, yeah, it was just, it was cool to see young Magic's confidence. It was cool to see how different the business was mm-hmm. and how almost more sanitized it was like it you know we're used to if this were a show about the nba now there'd be like three agent characters (laughs) and they'd be shisty as hell and they'd be you know they'd be saying all kinds of shit to get things done but no it's like literally fucking magic and jerry buzz have a cheeseburger and they're like yeah i'll give you 600 grand i just gotta get this old racist white dude out first yeah yeah and here's the keys to my car let's go for a spin you want to drive (laughs) yeah i love all the little kind of easter eggs in there in that scene where he asked him what what is he a doctor of the kareem scene where uh the director says was oj not available that was amazing yeah that was an (laughs) absolute gem right there yeah and then i mean i guess the elephant in the room of the rest of the episode was jerry west oh thank you so much for bringing him up man (laughs) Yeah, so so you know Jerry West, aka the logo. You know he. It's another him, L. Loser. Yeah. <laughs> right. So so my biggest gripe with this episode was that they made Jerry West seem as though he had never won a championship. Right. Jerry West 
won the 1972 NBA championship. He is a NBA champion as a player. So in the whole episode, they have this narrative around Jerry West as if he's a loser and that he only lost in the finals. Well, he only lost to the Celtics. Yes, he played them six times in a row and lost to them every time. But he is a NBA champion. So it's a much different narrative. But I guess for the show, they want to make him make his anger come from a place of never winning. I don't know. But it's a weird history rewrite that they don't just say, yeah, I won one time, but fuck that or something. I don't know. It just, it's, it sat weird with me as like a basketball enthusiast. It's a great point, Jason. It's a, a very good point. I also wonder how angry he really was, right? right. Like we, we know, we know that Jerry West is one of the most influential people in the NBA for so long player, coach, GM, advisor. He's still got some some tendrils associated. You know, he, he's been involved in a lot of really memorable things. He has always, at least recently, been depicted as kind of this sage, wise, mm-hmm. all-knowing person who's seen it all. And so it's very possible that that was not always the case that he right. was this fiery, just absolute nutcase <laughs> that he is in this episode. Yeah. I I see what you're saying. It is weird. They kind of clouded the truth there a little bit to emphasize their point. That's definitely for the casuals, as we've mentioned before, but God damn, did I love Jason Clark's performance? Holy crap. Absolutely. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, blew, he blew everybody else off the screen. Yeah, he did. He did. It was amazing. For sure. Yeah, other than John C. Riley, who I love and I just think is an amazing actor, he plays Dr. Buss uh, great. But yeah, Jason Clark as Jerry West, I mean, he was the star of the show in this episode. Every scene he was in, it was just like, he set it ablaze. Uh, that golf scene was incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he kicks the the ball off the green to just set it off. It was hilarious. You know, everything. And then, you know, at the end when he throws his um, his MVP, his finals MVP, which is the only time a losing player has ever won a finals mm-hmm. MVP uh, through the window of his office and it uh, comes apart, I thought was great. But yeah, I don't understand why there wasn't a line like after all these consecutive losses. He did win one, but he didn't care. You know, like something, just yeah. something like that. But yeah. maybe they'll address it later on. Yeah, I don't know. They try to make him seem very much like a Charles Barkley, never won type of guy. And it's just like... Or just like, did they accidentally write in Bobby Knight? Right, that's exactly <laughs> what it felt like. Yeah. But I feel like with that, with them not really like talking about his win, it was talking about this, the Celtics rivalry. Right. And how, you know, we got Magic and Bird now and, you know, Bird is in Boston. And so this yes. kind of keeps, you know, it's still still going. Yeah. yeah. Lots of shots of Michael Chiklis smoking his cigars right out of the back. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, in the beginning when they show, uh, because they show Michael and Juanita on the cover of the magazine, do you guys feel like they're not going to have Michael Jordan or anybody playing Michael Jordan on the show? I don't think in this season. Yeah. But... In the future, you think they'll have somebody playing Michael Jordan, even though they had a picture of the real Michael Jordan on a magazine? Or do they not think about that? Because hmm. <laughs> that, that was what I, the first thing that ran through my mind, like, okay, I guess they're not going to have Mike. 
I so mean, are they allowed to? Because I think about like video games, mm, like you couldn't even like use his likeness. You know what I mean? Right. So they just had that, he... that unknown player, number 45. <laughs> yeah. roster, on the roster player. Roster player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, what, I, what I think about that, Jay, is they wouldn't really need to get into Mag- into Michael on this show until the 90s. Right, right, until the end, right? He, I mean, Mike is the one who effectively, like, ended the dynasty. Like, Michael Jordan's first championship came in the form against the Lakers. So, yeah, I guess that's technically the end of the Showtime era. But it just, it just was a thought, obviously, when yeah. you're going through this, I feel like there would be maybe a little bit mention of just him. A, just another reason why they probably didn't need that first scene. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's all good. Uh, they and can then, go back and CGI whoever they cast as Michael <laughs> Jordan onto that right. magazine if they have to. Right. I just want to also say Tales Never Fails, by the way. For real. For <laughs> like, real, man. They, they called heads for the coin toss, and that just knew that wasn't going to go their way. Can we talk a little bit about how Jerry West allegedly wanted Sidney Moncrief? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No uh, disrespect to Sidney Moncrief. Moncrief right? right, right. Legend. Great player. Great player. Would have been... Would have been just as bad as, you know, taking fucking Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. Yeah. In the long run. Would not yeah. have worked out. Yeah. Um, but he was a, your average guard, six foot four. You know, that's the other thing. He's two guard. He would have fit great off the ball with Norm Nixon. You know, right. Norm would have wanted that. Right. But, you know, that's another, I guess, big part of the revolutionary aspect of Magic Johnson coming in the league. And his, you know, similarity to LeBron James, even he was a six, nine point guard, which I mean, until LeBron James, we've never seen anybody try to play that position or even allowed to, but magic just excelled at it. And it was hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around, you know, like (laughs) that wasn't something that people thought were going to work. What? No, we're going to move him (laughs) to, you know, power forward, like. So yeah, even that, in like the year 2000, we see Kevin Garnett go coast to coast. It's like, oh my God, it's like Magic Johnson. It's like, he was such a revolutionary mm-hmm, when yeah. it came to being such a swing player. I love the shit talking in the episode too. Like he dribbles too high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just pick him. Like let's take it away from him. Like yeah. guards are too quick in this league. Like, <laughs> yeah. Norm, I mean, but then and Norm, Norm did backed it. up the shit. That was the funniest part is then he did yeah. it. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they, they work that out going forward. Yeah. And then we have uh, Norm Nixon in, in the episode who had a few scenes. What did you guys feel about his entrance and his portrayal in the episode? It was fun. You know, yeah. the, all the girls swooning over Magic being so tall and handsome and coming in is going to take his spot. And he was like, fuck that. I'm about to show this guy up. I'm about to, you know, show who's really the man out here. But, you know, I was a little bit confused. Can you guys com- explain to me what was happening when he was, tr- what, what was he trying to talk to Kareem about? Uh, I think he was just trying to talk to him about persuading them to not draft Magic. Right. Because he was upset at the prospect of that happening and him losing his spot. And he felt like Kareem being known as cap or the captain of the team that he could have some pull with the ownership that would, you know, dissuade them from. Because when he walked out of the salon, he's like, you know, it's my team. And then he goes to Kareem's like, this is your team. So I'm like, (laughs) okay, what's, what are we doing here? It's a little bit of knowing your audience. That's what that is. The ladies (laughs) in the barbershop, it's my team, but you know who the big dog is. Yeah. 
Yeah, in the in the hair salon or whatever the nail salon actually, and he walks out with his uh, sandals on, which I thought was <laughs> interesting. Um, just the whole. <laughs> the whole costuming and outfits and everything that people are wearing through the episode and obviously probably will be through the season that uh, was is interesting and cool to see you know that in the intro they show like a clip of like the 80s aerobics videos and like <laughs> i just i'm excited to see more you know tight jeans and uh tight shirts on people you know the fashion is great yeah look i know if i was an adult around that time it, i would have been in trouble <laughs> would not have been good for me oh no i would have either been like a revolutionary or like in studio 54 just doing the absolute most butt naked (laughs) yeah it seemed like those parties that they were having uh in the hills man were amazing i can see how uh they got caught up in in that life yeah norm when he took off his jacket and was like yeah hold my fox (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite moments of the episode he was like on some rick james shit and you know um that's his son yeah playing him that's awesome yeah Yeah. there's there's a lot of really exciting actors and i'm gonna gonna read off some actors and characters that we haven't seen yet that i want to get you guys feedback on but gotta give a big shout out to devon nixon solomon hughes and quincy isaiah who essentially are brand new to this and they they hold our attention. They brought the charisma. Yeah. And Quincy Isaiah, you know, like he's he's going to have to carry the show. Like the whole show is on him. And so far, so good. You know? Yep, definitely. Yeah, right. I'm enjoying him so far. So you guys, you guys got to tell me who you're most excited to see. All right. We got we got Jason Siegel as Paul Westhead. Mm-hmm. He's going to come in. He's going to give us the offense. Sally Field is Jesse Buss. Ooh. Jerry Buss is Mama. <laughs> Adrian Brody is Pat Riley. That's my personal favorite. Yeah, I got it. That. That's, that's it. Right yeah. <laughs> we got somebody playing Rod Stewart. Oh, wow. We're going to have some real celebrities. We got Mike Epps as Richard Pryor. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm down for that. We Finally, got- <laughs> because he was supposed to play him in like other films and it never, it never came to be. So good. <laughs> We've got people playing Jack Nicholson and Paula Abdul. Oh, wow. Coming up. We got Donnell Rawlings as Mr. Earl. Don't know who okay. that is. But we're I say, who's right Mr. Earl? I don't, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> and I know there's at least one more here that I wanted to say, but Wood Harris. I know Wood at Harris, some point. Yeah, where is he at? At some point. Wood Harris is Spencer Haywood. Okay. okay. Bo Burnham also listed as Larry Bird, but I don't think that's happening. And yeah, Gillian always- Jacobs as uh, as Chris Riley. Pat Riley's wife. I'm always down for the Donnell Rawlings cameo. I love him. I think he's great and everything. Yeah. He's hilarious. I remember I was rewatching The Wire late last year, and I forgot that he played the limo driver for what was the senator? She Clay Davis. Yeah, Clay Davis. He was Clay Davis's limo driver who was like <laughs> uh, running some drug money across town for him, and he just had a, a few hilarious scenes in that. So yeah, I'm always here for Donnell Rollins, but yeah, I think everybody wants to see Adrian Brody as Pat Riley. That's yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure that I, I like this future overlap. I mean, a little bit in this episode, but definitely upcoming. Of it's not just basketball it's la it's la in the 80s yeah and that's you know the intersection of 
celebrity and basketball is how Jerry Buss made this thing pop off. So like mm-hmm. we're going to see Jack sit courtside. We're going to see them figuring out how that happened. And I'm just, I'm so into it, man. This is just, this is everything I imagined from this show. I'm still curious as to how the actual basketball gameplay goes. Cause that's so mm. hard to do. Yeah. But Impossible, so like man. the one-on-one scene and, you know, they got all the, the cameras tilted up, put on the ground. So Quincy Isaiah looks like he's six, eight yeah. Yeah. on that eight foot rim, <laughs> but yeah. they're making it work so far. I, I'm into it. Are we yeah. going to have a Penny Marshall sighting? Mm. <laughs> That'd be cool. I mean, there are so many celebrities that, that used to hang out at the Laker games that we should get a good half dozen, I feel like, just to, just to make sure the vibes are right. Yeah, Paula Abdul, right, as the Laker girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That should be cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see the Forum Club. Uh, that is a place that I know all too well. My, my dad uh, spent a lot of time <laughs> they're not coming home <laughs> when I was a kid. Uh, so, yes, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the form, you know, because one of the last shots, maybe it is a last shot where he's laying on the ground at the form uh, in the middle of uh, the court saying, I own this fucking place. And, you know, the form was really a hot spot in L.A. Like just the vibe in the form is crazy. Uh, now it's, you know, it's different. When the Staples Center was created, there was this kind of like change, you know, in the world. You know, we had this kind of like pre-internet world and the vibe of places and things was a lot different. I mean, even like Vegas to a large extent, right, had that same kind of thing where it was like in the 80s and the early 90s, it was one way and then it, everything got kind of corporatized and all that. And then we ended up with like the Staples Center and it was like, I kind of remember in Vegas, kind of like when Stratosphere and all that came out, like everything changed a lot, you know? And so, yeah, I'm excited to see what they're going to show goes on outside of the game at the forum, you know? Cause it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of activity. It was all, all of those parties, all those house parties in the hills started at the forum, you know, started at the forum club and after the games. And, you know, it wasn't just sitting courtside. It was like, you know, all these little hangout, you know, areas at the forum that was really jumping, you know, I'm looking forward to, to all of that. I like this idea that basketball was so low on the totem pole and that people gave their time to so many other things. And it's just going to be cool to see how this show takes us from what was essentially the basketball stone age into what we are now, you know, where I think at least in, at least in America, basketball is the most exciting sport. Like people, football gets bigger numbers. Let's not kid around, you know, it's a bigger sport, but hoops and culture are more linked than just about anything else. And this show is going to sh- really bring that to the forefront. And because it's based in LA, because of the celebrity overlap, and just because of the charisma of Magic Johnson, man, that was the hardest part for me is like, can they, can anyone be Magic other than Magic? Quincy Isaiah is going to give it a go. And we're going to be with you every step of the way, every dribble, every pass. It's showtime, folks. For Bethany Anderson, for Jason Madison, I'm Anthony Mays. We'll see you next week.